listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Teen Wolf After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Teen Wolf After Show. Hello, After Buzzers. Bing is for doing, and we're here doing another After Buzz TV after show for MTV's Teen Wolf Season 3, Episode 7, Currents. I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder, your host. Sitting next to me, Sarah Stratton, After Buzz TV host. Hi, guys. Across the table, we have assistant editor Corey Trench. Hello, how you doing? And our special... very handsome, Corey. (laughs) I forgot a few adjectives. Our special guest this evening created and directed groundbreaking music videos that expanded the scope of the music video industry and shaped the way we looked at music videos today. Music videos were originally straight performance videos, but he brought vision to music video world and started the idea of filming mini features with the full production value. Matching imagery to a beat and enhancing the songs with his unique vision, he created and directed music videos for Kim Carnes, Elton John, Billy Joel, Queen, The Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, Rod Stewart, Death Leopard, The Human League, Duran Duran, ACDC, just to mention a few of my favorites. Um, he created and directed music video for Video Killed the Radio Star, which became the first music video played on MTV ever in 1981. He directed movies such as Highlander, Tale of the Mummy, uh, Residential, Evil, Extinction, TV shows such as Skin, Tales from the Crypt, and most recently is the director and co-executive producer of MTV's Teen Wolf. Please welcome Russell Mulcahy. Thank you. Well, I had to say wow. all that. Did I write that? Oh, you write that. What thou? I had to say all that just because I want people to recognize who they're listening to this evening. What accomplishments? It's a to be here. Thank you, you know, this Thank is you. an amazing set of accomplishments, and clearly you bring a huge contribution to why we all love Teen Wolf. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Teen Wolf is definitely uh, um, a, a passion. Uh, I. I uh, Became very good friends with its developer and creator and uh, its mastermind, Jeff Davis. And uh, we became very good friends uh, three years ago when we ventured on the pilot. And uh, and we didn't know. We had this thing. He had this thing in his hands, and I joined him, and we just went for it. And uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a thing of passion. It's so crazy because to me, I mean, I listen to your I'm just like, wow, the stories. But changing just the format from music videos to film to TV, I feel like when you look at music videos and film, you get a whole picture. It's the beginning to the end. But you go into these TV shows and you kind of have to go in with a vibe, but you never really know the outcome. Like, how does your directing standpoint change for that? Oh, well, um, I think with like for example, I, like you, like you said, I started off with music videos, um, and uh, actually I was a film editor at a TV station, cutting the news, and then I started doing music videos off the hand or as a sideline, and then it became I became known for doing those, and that was like my my film school. I was doing like little mini features, and each one was different. They would send me a song that I would just come up with an idea, and each one had its own individual personality. Um, 
but there were there were sort of projects because I was a frustrated feature filmmaker and I just sort of <laughs> make these little mini feature films. And like I'd, I, I remember like MTV, I, one of the early videos I sent to them, I started cropping the top and bottom of the frame with black, mm-hmm. and uh, to make them look like a movie. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, the old TVs were four by three, right? So I'd crop them. And they would ring me up and say, we have a technical problem. This black. I said, no, 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 no. We're blowing it up. I said, no, 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 no. It's meant to look like that. It's meant to look like a film. And, um, you know, like we're hungry like a wolf and all those sort of ones, those sort of um, videos I did. And um, so then I got into feature films, Highlander, and, and, and they, they, they let me go wild on that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, 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 and the whole history of Ricochet and The Shadow and Resident Evil. Um, and I was doing a film called with, for Showtime um, with Sigourney Weaver, uh, Prayers for Bobby. Mm-hmm. And it was around that time that Jeff called me up and uh, said, you know, do you want to come in for a meeting about um, this project, Team Wolf, MTV? I went, oh, my God. I was... <laughs> I, I used to sort of like MTV was back in my past. <laughs> like before my first film, Razorback, it was like, you know, uh, like you said, video killed the radio star, and and there I was back down in Santa Monica at MTB, mm-hmm. and um, they wanted you back. Yeah, and, <laughs> it, was, and, 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 and it was it was it was basically um, um, love at first sight. It was a, it's a genre I love. Mm-hmm. He is a fabulous creative talent, and um, we just bonded, and uh, and you know, we had this mantra of. Sexy, scary, and surprising. <laughs> you know, we wanted to up the antes, and you that's know. the perfect combination, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think yeah, maybe this season we're going this. The scare factor is being ramped up. Absolutely, yeah. I, and, and speaking of upping the ante, uh, three hundred seven was just uh, you know very much uh, mm-hmm. ambitious and incredible episode. I mean, just well, just talking about the the loft scene. I know when you got shot that that was a, a huge undertaking. Uh, that's when Kali and, and Derek mm-hmm. square off. Uh, I, mean, I that, was going to ask what yeah. the biggest challenge was of directing this episode. For the viewers who don't know, Russell actually right. did direct this episode this evening. Well, uh, every episode is challenging. Um, we, yeah, we shoot them fast, and they're furious. And uh, <laughs> uh, but we have a, we have a wonderful family of creative people that just work hard and and love the show but last night's episode was physically challenging you know we we flooded the set we waterproofed the set we t- gallons of water in that that thing for like three days and uh you know it all had to be sort of safe with all the you know, the, the lights and everything and everyone's walking around in gum boots for three days sloshing <laughs> around but carly god bless her um she she uh was in bare feet that water oh. was cold that oh, was really? cold, and she bare feet away. Yeah. The entire time. and the, the floor started to get really slimy. <laughs> <laughs> and she slipped a few times. But yeah, she's a, yeah. she's a trooper. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get into tonight's episode and starting off with the ten car pileup and all the people in the ER with Scott's mom and the doctors and. We got that scene with the moths sort of taking people away, and I wanted to talk about the moth symbolism and its meaning about impending danger, and apparently they're an omen of death in some cultures. See, I totally missed out on the fact that they're moths. I was from Zeph's like, the butterflies? The butterflies are attacking <laughs> the people? So the fact that they're, they're moths actually is probably better, because I think moths in general creep people out They more were very creep- creepy. 
I thought it was going to be like a Silence of the Lambs type deal where like people were suffocating due to the moths in their throat, but it turned out that it was because they were suspended and they needed the strength to lift themselves up in order to breathe. And I liked how they related that to like the line where she brought that back to the fact that that mm-hmm. was how people died during crucifixions, which I just like all the like little added bits of history and actual like knowledge that the show puts in right. in each episode. Jeff told me once that, um, you know, he created Criminal Minds, and uh, in every show of Team Wolf, there are there are little bits of, little little facts, and in Criminal Minds, they used to call them Jeff's fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have them on, on, in Team Wolf, that every week you'll get a little bit of bing, oh, I learned something today. <laughs> Hello, I, apart know? from being, like, entertained the hell out of you, um, yeah. you also learn something. I love that aspect because <laughs> I, I'll get, I think it's cute. Yeah. I will get done watching the show and I will go to Google and I like want to learn more about the telluric uh, <laughs> currents or the geometric waves of the Earth and the lunar and, eclipse happening. That's all true. true. Yes. Yeah, it's true. It's, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's werewolves running around the forest, but the other stuff is true. <laughs> hey, I have nothing to prove that that's not true. I'm not discounting werewolves either, actually. And just speaking of the moths, though, I, I kind of wanted to go into, because you were very involved in this, the, the Eden did our visual effects for yes, all the moths. They, and Eden, I, yes. And that was something uh, I know you, you wanted to pay close attention to. Can you talk a little bit about like what you were looking for, maybe? with? Well, to me, visual the best visual effects are ones that you... That they, they, they don't pop out as as unreal, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, so it, basically. I just wanted to look as real as possible, um, and uh, I've had experience where you were tried to use real moths or real flies and other mm-hmm. like Tales of the Crypt. One time we tried to use. Actually, this is I love Tales of the Crypt. No, Please talk story. about it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves what? that no, show. No, they want to know. They want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, there was an episode of Tales of the Crypt where there was a character who was had someone. He's a brother attached to him, but he shot his brother, so he was rotting in the back. His brother was dead, <laughs> but he's selling ice cream to kids. And at the end of the show, with the camera pulls back, and the, the brother on the back who's rotting away was a place meant to be full of flies. So I said, okay, we'll get. A, a fly wrangler. I was really naive when I was doing this show. <laughs> so, on a Sunday morning, we're downtown, and the fly wrangler turns up, and uh, this is before CG, and um, he opens up his trunk, and he says, we have a little problem. And he said, and there were like these like six dead rabbits, and they're all like sort of moving a little. And he said, the larvae haven't quite popped yet. <gasps> So, so needless to say, so that's how they used to do it. No, I don't think anyone's ever done that. I think I was just really stupid. That's That's an amazing story. I mean, yeah, he wanted some real flies in there. Come on, well, I wanted, yeah, the real thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, thank God for CG. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like we gotta be, move the Greek yogurt bar so I, people I, don't think is we're that long crazy. Bad? <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. it's delicious. <laughs> I said we we need uh, Pepsi and uh, Twizzlers, right? 
and we Starbucks. should be eating at Starbucks, yeah, for the episode. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Scott being selfless in the beginning, where he is showing his good character once again and why he is the one true alpha when he kind of absorbs the pain from that woman in the ER. Like, he had no reason to do that, and, and he just sat down, and that's him having to endure the pain, correct? Like, he has to suffer at that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he absorbs it. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, I think um, this episode is, is kind of great because it talks about Scott being that virtuous uh, mm-hmm. person and then Deaton pointing that out to him like you are this virtuous figure and this is why you are becoming the true alpha. Um, so, yeah, that's just another example of Scott's virtue and, and wanting to take on other people's pain, which I thought was a good metaphor in general because I think he takes on uh, the burden of a lot of his pack, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so With Isaac living with him. And- exactly. I think he, he's sort of like a Christ figure almost in that he just sort of takes on all the all the, uh, the whole masses and just different people that need help. You know, anyone Absolutely. that needs help, Scott's always there for them, so... That's just another example of what That's what kind he does. of the statement of Teen Wolf. I feel like it promotes the good, and it's such a great example for teenagers who love the show to see that that's the lead character that they're rooting for, and he's the one who's always like the good guy and trying to you know remain pure, if you would, and, and do the right humble. thing and make the I right mean, decisions. He's always so humble about everything, and like you would see that also in his relationship with his mother this episode. Like when she was the one to... Save Danny, like, mm-hmm. he, you saw him be thankful for her. You, you saw him, like, look up to his mom. And As, like, every- she was a real hero. Like, they're used to seeing all these supernatural things, but it was like, for once, they saw someone who was human doing something, saving a life, and it's like, it, they were in awe because of that. Wasn't That was a great scene, talking about Danny. Also, I thought they might have to turn Danny because of his health issues and I was like we don't want him to die so I was thinking perhaps they were going to bite him and I don't know if that's going to come in the future rescue yes (laughs) my original thought when he was limping in was that they were going to reveal a bite I was like Mm. I was like you're bringing a bite into the hospital what's going on and then of course it ended up being the mistletoe but I was like oh I guess that would make more sense so the the twins kind of reveal that they were you know staged kind of the she's all that to date Lydia and um, Danny and they find out that, you know, Danny's not the important one, I guess, but that it's Lydia. So do you think they have to be worried now about Lydia's safety? Because they were they said they were trying to find out who was important to Scott. I mean, I feel like if they're really trying to find out who's important to Scott, like hurting either one of them kind of is a trick just because he mm-hmm. would go to the rescue of anyone. But what more I got from that is one that they are going to target Lydia, but do... Do they have actual feelings for them? Because I when feel watching like their do. relationships, I feel like each of the twins mm-hmm. really does like have an attraction and a want to be with them. So are they just playing mind games? Is this just something like Duke Callian has like ordered them to do, or like are they developing emotional attachments? I think it's just that. I think uh, it was uh, originally an order, but. Obviously, there are both attractive people, Danny and Lydia, so it kind of just comes with it. And they're good people as well, so I think that they're falling in love. But, I mean, they've shown in the the past that they're willing to kill all their packs, so they're probably willing to kill their significant others if ordered. Well, yeah, it's interesting how, like, in the the supernatural elements of Team Wolf, there, there is the human element. And then, you know, I also wanted to ask, you know, that human element comes out in the acting, and then as a director, you know, I, I, how do you, how do you, um, sort of work with the actors to to bring out their their characters when they're performing? 
we we've been working with these actors now for three seasons, and they are they're growing. Their roles are growing. They're they're growing. They're developing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship between Scott and his mum is very different from season one that, that it is now. Yeah. And, you know, the, he, she now she now knows her son is a werewolf, mm-hmm. and it's very cool that she's like taken that on and accepted that and that she loves her son so much and uh, it's basically strengthened their relationship in a way and uh, I, 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 I love that relationship that you know, Scott has with his mum mm-hmm. yeah. you know that she's, she's part of the team now you and know, there's nothing to hide that it, in know? this episode mm. he like has a line where he's like telling him her has made our relationship stronger mm. when he's talking mm-hmm. to Styles about telling Styles his father yes and bringing him into this let's, truth yeah zone. let's uh, go ahead and talk about that let's get into the where's Deaton topic and we do get that scene which Corey actually edited where Styles beautiful job beautiful job it. when they're thank on you. the opposite <laughs> sides of the cage and it's like at that yes. moment they're yes, at that. opposing sides they're kind of Style Scott is kind of saying you have to tell him it'll bring him closer to you and Styles is like no I want to leave him in the dark like not telling him will protect him and that and that he's my father I don't want to lose both my parents and Scott's like you're you're right and then Styles is like no I'm not and I love can you talk about that Corey and kind of the editing yeah. of that scene well yeah uh, you know I did the first pass on the scene and you know the the performances were just really strong uh, you know uh, Dylan and Tyler just sort of brought this this sort of like great le- uh, weight weightedness to like the performances you know especially Dylan you know coming to terms of the fact that you know he you know should he tell his father and then you know risk the the consequences of that but also knowing that you know it has to be done Scott's sort of that catalyst to that um, but yeah no that scene was just uh, you could see it in metaphorically uh, in the the shooting of it because when they're the behind cages. the cages were sort mm-hmm. of like yeah that's sort of like activated that it was it, it was a it was a deliberate um, visual image mm-hmm. to take them into that room and put them behind the the cat cages basically to to give that barrier right as a symbolic barrier to break and um, uh, and it's nice to look for those subtle imagery that um, is not obtrusive but sort of adds to the scene yeah absolutely. I was really happy that we got that emotional scene with Scott and Styles again because last week's was so emotional with the Styles stepping into the oh gasoline with Scott. I'm your brother. So, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of felt that. And they both did look still a little teary-eyed in this scene as well. So it took me back to last week, which added m- even more weight to this scene. And it was I was so happy that we got that because I did feel like they were drifting this season and that Isaac was stepping in on Styles' friendship and kind of getting in the middle of them. So well, I hope that we continue to see these moments with those two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of moments. Um and, and I just feels. Wanted, and I just want to yeah, feels, a lot of feels. Hashtag. I saw that I saw that on Twitter actually during that scene there was a, a hashtag that said Stalinsky family feels and it was like trending. So people were really responding to it. Really? Yeah, no, they just, they they were like really feeling that scene because who can't relate to, you know, wanting to protect your family and, and stuff like that. But before, um, I just want to, before I forget to mention, uh, the entire episode, of course, edited by uh, Edward R. Abrams, AC, <laughs> my, uh, my editor, the one I assist, you know, he did, a, of course, a fantastic job. I mean, uh, especially with the loft scene and everything in the, just like, 
terrific, terrific editing. Um, and we know. love Ed. I hope he's yeah. coming in uh, episode 11 to break down yes, that episode yes. with us. He's probably still cutting it. <laughs> yeah, probably still at work. Hi, Ed. Keep cutting. <laughs> Good job, Ed. Um, so how do you think Sheriff Zelensky will react to his son telling him? I mean, it definitely helps having the law on your on your side, right? I don't feel like him knowing would be a bad thing. What do you think, Sarah? I mean, I'm a little torn between like what I predict is going to happen to him and what I don't. Because obviously I want... Styles and his dad to keep their good relationship, and having someone who is part of the law is going to help them keep it a secret, and it's also going to help his dad with his job. But we kind of already saw we already saw Scott's mom be okay with it, so mm-hmm. I'm really going to see another parent be okay with and it. We saw Chris Argent kind of going through the struggle of finding out Allison was dating a werewolf, so who he's sworn to protect. You know what? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like out of all those parents, Stilinski is probably the, the warmest guy, and I feel like he would kind of not want to believe it, but eventually it would bring Styles and his father closer together. And I'm excited for that talk because, you know, it was teased this episode, and it definitely needs to happen, I'm guessing, next episode. So let's go ahead and get into whenever Deaton's sister, Miss Morell, shows up. And she kind of gives them a clue. She's like, "I'm going to help you help find my brother." And I'm, and they're like, "You, oh, no problem. We'll help you." And she's like, "No, I'm going to help you." She was like, really not no emotional help. either. She like was not emotional. Like here, she wasn't even trying to help. Like, what's going on there with her relationship with her brother? I just want to know what her and her brother. And then I feel like I'd be able to talk about it so much easier. (laughs) But she was kind of acting like Deucalion and like, I'm going to give you a clue, but I'm not really going to help you. But this is your brother. (laughs) So it's like, are you not really his sister? I think it has to be something about they're only supposed to get so involved. Mm -hmm. At least that's where I placed it in my mind. Because we saw Deaton when he's on the phone with Scott saying... I thought I would never have to put you in this mm. position. Right, that's a great and point. And he's known what he, Scott is. Like he's very, he's been involved, but never pressing the line. And when he like broke that with that phone call, I thought that that was like a kind of a big step. So the fact that his sister is still reserved or semi-reserved, I think it more of has to deal with what they are or what how right. they know everything they seem to know. That's a good point. And when she said that there's someone who can help you who has supernatural abilities, of course, Styles thinks of Lydia right away because he's always thinking of Lydia. But did she mean Deucalion? Because Lydia really wasn't any help with the Ouija board and the keys and the drawings. I mean, she really didn't give him anything. I think that she did mean Lydia. Mm-hmm. I think that personally, I think that her drawing of the tree is actually going to be very mm-hmm. important. Um, and they just don't understand it yet. Right. Um, I think it's going to be something that they revisit later. But overall, for this episode, Lydia didn't really seem to help that much. So, How do you think Deucalion knows the location of Deaton? Is it because he has visions, because he's blind, or is it because he has a map, too? <laughs> I, I know we know. can't turn to you guys because you guys don't <laughs> give it away. But in my mind, this is my biggest question right now, is... Who knows what and how are they connected and how and what level of knowledge do each of them have? Because I think we've grasped at the point that obviously the Argents have a story to tell and that 
even the people in that family are operating at different levels of knowledge and it's coming out and who's he going to tell this story to? Mm-hmm. Is it going to Gerard. be Allison? Is it go- who knows? Um, so we have that and then we have also Deucalion and all of his team and I want to know where they line up, where they connect. Are they sharing information? Is this a plot together? But to me, it's a giant question. Well, I think that's one of the very entertaining things about this show is that it's like this extraordinary jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Not only is each episode like has maybe each episode has like three different storylines going along at once, and you're each going at the same time, and you're jumping from one story to the next, and da da da, and then each road eventually joins and meets and at the end but amongst that that's in the smaller picture and the bigger picture there is this um, bigger jigsaw puzzle which is finally the pieces are coming together um, and they will yeah. and then wait some good surprises coming <laughs> we have to learn along the way <laughs> but I, my god you are paying good attention yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try so is it that Lydia still can't control her supernatural abilities or do you think it's just a matter of her owning it like Scott like accepting self-acceptance self-acceptance with, with Scott accepting to be the one true alpha and like Lydia accepting her supernatural abilities do you think she just can't control it yet or it's a matter of her not owning it I think it's definitely a matter of her being in denial um, of being, <laughs> being some psychic. <laughs> being an amazing artist, by the way. That sketch. <laughs> yes. Lydia. The tree. Yes. She's very good at drawing trees. Very good at drawing trees. <laughs> yes. That's what I learned. Yeah. Hopefully she saves those drawings in case we have to compare them later. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's so. It, what is so, so weird about this is that um, we're filmed all 12 episodes and we start shooting the next 12 in next week mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I've, just come, I've just come from the production meeting and um, um, but um, yeah we yeah so and you're asking questions and we sort of know the answers and uh, we can't say a thing <laughs> can't say anything it's just we'll see you in a couple of weeks but and you'll yeah. be like ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm wondering what questions are going to get solved this 12 and is there going to be a break on MTV before we get the second 12? Is there going to be a, a hiatus? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It won't be months. as long, probably. No, not as long. I don't know the official time. Yeah, I don't know the official air date for the next 12, but I don't think it It'll comes. be a shorter, shorter break. It, it will be a shorter break, right. Mm-hmm. So we, we, you'll be able to, you know, you'll, you'll feel a little anxious at first, but it will be coming soon. With the, with the, uh, you, your, your questions will be answered like, on that. I'm like, no, I just want more. And it's like, you'll get more. Don't believe me. I have so many. Like, I feel like yeah. in episode three I was waiting for Ducalion to shift and it still hasn't happened. The demon wolf is coming. Um, do you think if Styles was to become a werewolf, he would actually get the girl, a.k.a. Lydia? <laughs> I hadn't thought of this at all. What do you think, Ori? Would um, he get the girl becoming a werewolf? Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> I've never thought about that before. I feel like it's not going to have to be up to him being I, a werewolf. I, 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 don't I, think he's, like. I don't think he's that concerned with that whole thing. You know, he's just solving crimes at this moment in time. I mean, it's not a priority, but I feel yeah. like when people have become a werewolf, it's sort of, you know... It comes with... This, becoming a werewolf comes with its baggage, <laughs> yes, definitely. And I'm not sure whether Styles wants that package. I don't, yeah. but, I mean, but it does help their lives oh, a lot, good too. Things, absolutely. And I feel like that's something he's always wanted. 
So I didn't know if it would make him, you know, more attractive to her now that he has all these powers and is strength. I think I feel like we have to look at Boyd in this in this <laughs> instance and how that's what he sought. And it did not end too well. Although he said it was worth it or whatnot. Yeah, in the end. He did die. Corey, you were gonna say But something. with a but with Aiden, you know, being a werewolf, Lydia's also drawn to him in such a and she knows that he's she loves the what? villains. I the, like one of it. the villains. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I, bad boys. And now bad boys. <laughs> I mean, she liked Jackson. Yeah, the, the lizard. The, uh... But she was drawn to both of them before <laughs> they became supernatural. But what I think is interesting. Or before she knew they were supernatural. What I think is interesting, as opposed to Jackson, I think Lydia takes more control of the relationship because in that scene she like turns him away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now that's interesting. Now, now yeah, that... she she has grown. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's like kind of owning that. Yeah, I think she's brilliant and her power. I'm not sure that it's going to be strength, but she's so smart. I just feel like she's her own strength in being, you know, a lot wiser. Like, she says to Aiden in that scene, you know, that's exactly what two dumb students would say who are about to get burned to death. (laughs) That was such a funny scene. I mean, right there, she's putting herself on a level above him. Mm. And she's clearly the one in control in that scene. So I wanted to go next to the Dekillian uh, Scott scene, which Corey again edited and also supervised by Ed, who mm-hmm. edited the entire episode. Um, Dekillian kind of confirms for us that the Alpha Pack was not involved with the Druids, but um, he wants Scott to kind of like impress him or try to get the cane from him, and then he'll tell him the location. How was editing this scene, Corey? Oh, gosh, you know, it was so much fun, you know, editing a, a fight scene. You know, it's kind of funny because it's a fight scene, but it's it's also a game of keep away. It's like a little cat and mouse sort of thing. So, like, you, you get you all get all the cool flips and the cool moments, and you just kind of pick, you know, what those moments are, and you just put it together. And then, um, you know, you try to, uh, as much as possible, just cover up the fact that, you know, there's obviously the stunt doubles, you know. But uh, it, it was quite a fun scene. That was a really that was a really fun scene just to put together because not only is this the first time that uh, we've seen Scott do his aerobics like I've, I've never seen him. I mean, aside from the fact in 201 he does that huge leap across the the chasm. The chasm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only time I've seen him do something like a huge leap like mm. that. Mm. But having him do the flip was kind of cool too. Uh, but also uh, the other great part about it is this is the first time Dukele and him Scott have fought They've, they fought together. Mm-hmm. And, it was uh, more of an elegant fight. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It was more of a gentleman's yes. <laughs> sort of challenge. Yeah? Yes. Did like a jewel. Uh, or so a, a samurai thing. Um, and uh, it sort of had a cool factor about it. I just yeah? feel like yeah. he's like fencing or mm. something. Right. It's that mm. very like, or if you ever watched. Yeah, but it had that sort of like, sort of like, it had that Japanese music. Yeah, the music by Dino was really great. Dino is, yeah, extraordinary. I yeah. think what we've learned is don't go in the music room. Bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. the music room though. It's always my favorite scene. But I think that five seconds we had about an hour. I think I had about an hour and a half to shoot that. Wow. wow. Um, which sometimes uh, I think I, I put my rock and roll hat on and turn my hat backwards and I go, okay, let's go for it. And uh, and you know, um, yeah, the, the adrenaline factor kicks in and and and, and you shoot it uh, yeah. fast and. Uh, yeah, it becomes rock and roll. It's good. So you're also there directing the stunt doubles as well as mm. the characters mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. So are and you? Then, and then, but Scott's in there quite a lot. If you look closely, the Scott does quite a lot of that actually. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. he does. Oh, right. He oh, does. Yeah, yeah. like like uh, like like Hickland. Um, yeah. 
Hecklin's, you know, it's hard to put him away sometimes. He said, no, no, you, you are not jumping. You are not. And so get down. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so we have Allison and Scott getting closer in the closet, and I feel like their situations are kind of <laughs> I love that scene. pushing yeah, them back together, it's right? Great, their so. situations, yeah. the universe wants them together, and she, you know, keeps it almost, they but almost do we kissed. want them together? I feel like they've got priorities right now, and they should just, like, let it work out when it's going to work out. And I, I don't want to push it because we were kind of busy right now. We don't have time for romance. <laughs> we're working. Allies, team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's bringing them closer together is being able to respect each other and the level of work that they they do and how they both can contribute to both the issues. Because before, you know, Allison wasn't a huge part of it, and then finding out her family history and everything she's become she has a major role now and then with Gerard coming in the picture you know she is obviously going to be a window for Scott to get to that world and find out secrets so um, I also wanted to talk about the map and how Argent you know has like these 12 markings and where basically uh, Beacon Hills is a beacon and it's got like these energy fields where there's a lot of energy coming in, especially it's affected by the lunar eclipse. And so they know where the bodies are going to be found. And I'm guessing it's because like the moon obviously brings in extra power and so that's helping with the sacrifices that the druid is trying to get these special powers from. But... Um, how does Argent have this info? Is it from Gerard or like this map with the UV wand? How did he get that? I really I liked know. the UV wand. <laughs> um, but I think that's part of our question. And I think that we are getting that at least some of this knowledge is coming from Gerard. Mm-hmm. But he's also been tracking them. We've watched how he went and went to the Derek's fight scene when he thought Derek was dead. Like we know he's snooping around. We saw him show up at one of the sites where the body was found, too. So I think he is doing footwork, but Mm -hmm. I think he's also maybe getting hints or knows a slice from Gerard. Right, because we get that scene where he's like, next time you're going to tell me the truth. So he's obviously giving him pieces pieces of the story, but not everything. And I really enjoyed that uh, Styles and Danny dream sequence scene where he was telling a Danny to take responsibility for his dreams and that this was oh, just yes. a dream. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> How is it uh, directing Styles I mean, as I, a character? I, we, I feel like everyone just loves him. Well, I, I have to say just generally we are, we are blessed with uh, an extraordinary cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dylan in that uh, Dylan is just an extraordinary gentleman, young man, and an extraordinary actor. Um, and uh, and uh, that scene is is quite quite wonderful. And the fact that you can hold on a, on a shot where he can like leave frame, <laughs> keep the other character out of focus, and he'll pop back up into frame. And his the slightest reactions, his timing is uh, quite impeccable. Um, yeah, so a delight to work with, but like the rest of the cast. I know it's a comedy and delivering, lucky. and delivering comedic lines is a lot about the timing. Is there any, like, bad habits that you've come across in actors in general that you find it hard to break that they have? Not even on this show, but just in general, a bad habit that you have to somehow break to direct them? Um, I can't Rocking think of anything right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, without, they, when without, they say yeah. line, they don't remember their line. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I mean, sometimes it happens with all actors, and then you know, I right. mean, 
sometimes they'll they'll go off 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 script. You know, they'll mm. they'll, they'll go away and they'll they'll go into a bit of improvisation and and it's okay for a couple of takes and then you say okay let's do one <laughs> as written. Get back to the script. <laughs> Otherwise, Jeff is not going to be happy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but they they're allowed a couple of takes where yeah. Okay, go, go for it. <laughs> if we've got time. Yeah, right, right. So Danny has this map, too, and it's because of his... Uh, brainiac. His homework and his project that he did for Mr. Harris's class, the Terlocular Currents. Yes. Terlocular And Mr. Harris Tellurric. made some comments on that, yes. Yeah, and... Not suitable for class. No, not suitable for class at all. So Danny was on to something. How does Dan? Is this just like by chance that he was writing this paper? Does Danny know something? Does he have a supernatural power like Lydia? I mean, I was talking it up to chance, but <laughs> I didn't realize he would be so affected by mistletoe either. So right. who knows? Um, and we eventually find out that Deaton is in the vault. And Scott's going to go save Deaton. But I thought that Scott was going to have to choose between Derek and Deaton. But it turns out that they can send Cora. Luckily, he has friends. Yes. Yeah, this isn't a Dark Knight scenario. You don't have to choose. You can have both. So. <laughs> or supposedly, you can have both. Supposedly. Oh, right, right. There's, there's, yeah, not without consequence, as, lo- as seen in this episode. I loved the superhero Jeep scene where, like, Lydia looks over at Styles yeah. and, like, that music. It's yeah. like, the heroes are on yeah, the right. way. Yeah, great. I yeah. felt it. I loved it. There's a whole, there's a whole <laughs> sort of like, great range of music in last night's episode. I mean, even if you talk about the scene with uh, Styles in the hospital, mm-hmm. it actually was very reminiscent of 60s, The Saint. Uh, so there's a great sort of, sort of like, mixture of music, yeah. Yeah. I, since you've had such a history and worked in music, are, do you ever go into like Dino and Laura and say like I have a suggestion, or you know, do you work with them at all? Um, occasionally, but Dino's really got um, um, such a, um, a grip on the show, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 uh, and 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 again, Jeff um, has great passion for music too, and we're. So the scenes can be very emotional and very sort of scary uh, and also sometimes just very big and wonderful and sort of cinematic. And I think, I think like, for example, the end of last night's episode after Sinclair Boyd dies, mm-hmm. uh, I think his score there is so operatic in a way. Um, it's, it becomes like a Greek tragedy. And, and yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I really, really dug it. It was quite a wonderful school. Yeah, and and that's, I think, the biggest challenge because, you know, we might not have spent as much time with Boyd as we had the other characters. And I think in his death, you know, I think probably one of the big challenges was, like, you know, how do we feel sorry for this character we might Mm. not have spent as much time with. But the score, like you say, Russell, is is just it draws you in, and then just the performances and the editing, it just all comes together so well. Yes, I mean, I mean, Boyd, Boyd uh, was was a character that a lot of people liked very much, and uh, wonderful, wonderful man, great actor, and and, uh, but you know, in these genre shows, characters have to die sometimes, (laughs) even the good ones, and. um, and I think the music paid great homage to that sort of that scene and uh, great respect for that scene. Absolutely, it's a sad way to die, though. I mean, by your placed <laughs> on there. Oh yes, yes and, so and by your sad. pack leader, no less. You know, yeah, you have to 
that's clearly going yeah, to did, affect Derek. Derek was a little upset by it. Yeah. 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 I, I have sad. a feeling that he's going to be changed from this. <laughs> a little but, traumatic. But we, <laughs> a little traumatic. We see the Mountain Ash keeping Scott from Deaton, and thank goodness Sheriff Stalinsky put his skills to use, and he realized he would, they were a at good the shot. Yeah. yeah. That was a great shot. Marksmanship, yeah. And he gets Deaton down, and then, so Deaton's the first victim to actually survive being taken. Um, perhaps he, he, he had about a a minute to go. He was right. he was close. Yeah, he yeah. Was, he was out of strength. He could not lift himself anymore. But do you guys think he got a glimpse of the druid or had some other clues? Because he's like the first survivor. Because normally once they're taken, like that's it. They're going to be found. So maybe do you think he got a glimpse of something? I mean, I guess we'll find out. I feel yeah. like I feel like he has some owning up to do next episode. We better <laughs> tell well, us some things. Yeah. Like what are you gonna say? Well, I, I was gonna say he did get a glimpse of Scott's eyes. Yes, he, he, is, he is the first um, non-werewolf, yes, who has witnessed. Um, but I mean, he, he's known about Scott. Yeah, and there's many unspoken things that they, well, they you know. Um, but he now realizes Scott is a true alpha, uh, right. one from virtue and character. Yes, and. Um, but what I what I love about that scene is that he, from the first time he met Scott, he 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 knew it. He knew this 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 young man had potential, a, had a quality, had that had will yeah, and potential. Yeah, to be. Uh, it's quite an extraordinary story. Mm-hmm. I, I love Deaton. I, he's just sort of like Mr. Miyagi, Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi, <laughs> yes. like Doc Brown, yeah. all and, in one. Yeah. And, right. and, and, I, and I think even in the pilot, it was never really intended, probably, that his role would become so important. Right. And uh, he's such a terrific actor. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it just Great. grew. And it, and it happens in many times. I know, like, say, um, in a number of shows, like in Breaking Bad, for example, um, the, the, the co-partner, um, the young guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was actually going to be killed off in some of the earlier episodes, yeah. and he was so good. Da da da. They rewrote it. They, yeah, they, didn't, yeah, they kept him in. Well, yeah. I think fans have gained more of a power in yeah. television in general, um, and they're very active about what <laughs> they think, and especially how they feel. Teen Wolf. Yes. So if I, they get there in time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yes, I've seen it in TV as well. Like other shows besides Breaking Bad like I know um, True Blood had the same with characters mm. and that's a show where a bunch of people Game are always being killed off yeah and Walking Dead too <laughs> no I one mean. can save anyone in Game of Thrones so that's <laughs> <a different> story <laughs> so Scott how do you think like he's having this realization now that he's becoming an alpha like he's gotten the glimpse in the mirror a few times of his red eyes but I don't think he's believed it so now like what's he going to do with this realization now that he is becoming an alpha I feel like he's going to be I feel like it's going to add more pressure on him and more, mm-hmm. but more of a protective pressure because now he knows that Deucalion's after him and, not, and Derek. not Derek. So anything that really happens to Derek or any of Derek's pact is in a way kind of more on his shoulders. Right. Um, and and um, why is uh, Deucalion after Scott now? Is it because only the one true alpha can defeat the demon wolf? I mean, it's something. Probably, like, the one Trafalfa has... She's something. Special powers. He's something. There's something. Okay, so getting into our last topic. (laughs) Our last topic for the evening is Derek. 
And we have Kali coming for Derek because he killed Ennis. But let's not forget it wasn't actually Derek who killed Ennis. It was Deucalion. Yeah. So she, she still doesn't know that. Redirect her anger issues. All right. And boy, that was nasty. Yeah. 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 How was it directing that splashing in the the scene? I know we talked about the struggles earlier, but yeah, that loft. Because you Mm. probably weren't. Did you go down in the water, or were you up on a high rise? I'm always in the blood. (laughs) I mean, it's funny. I think they 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 call me the bucket of blood director because (laughs) I mean, sometimes they would be squirting little psh psh, and I get and then boom, (laughs) I throw the bucket on the wall. So. They try, to keep, awesome. they try to keep me away from the blood. Because, <laughs> oh, no, Russell's got the blood. Oh, God. <laughs> and you just dump it out on everyone. I love that. Yeah. I can, just, my, I can just see you. Including myself. Shooting everyone. Uh, Fire uh, yeah. hose. Fire hose. I remember, I remember again, back to Tales of the Crypt, we were doing an episode where this guy was being chainsawed. And... <laughs> <laughs> and there's blood spraying. I'm filming it. And I'm obviously covered in blood up in Griffith Park. And... We finished filming, I jumped in my car, I didn't realise I was covered in blood, and uh, drove home, and, but I stopped at the 7-Eleven on the way, and went inside, and the guy sort of just dove behind the counter, and I went, what? And I looked at myself, and I was drenched in blood, it looked like I'd massacred, massacred everyone's dog, and uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Did you tell him? I just I went, yeah, yeah, it's, it's movie blood, it's movie no. blood. <laughs> and he went... that's awesome um so you know boyd came up with this plan which unfortunately didn't work uh and then in the end after derek is forced to kill his own member we kind of see that he's able to see boyd's memories and get that last scene that i guess erica actually fought collie and collie is the reason that erica's dead so that's even that's going to make Derek want to get revenge on Kali even more now. Yeah, I mean, I think the three biggest things that I took away from this scene were, well, one, I really liked their moment together and his tragic, sad death. But the fact that we saw Erica mention the lunar eclipse, which mm-hmm. was now mentioned like five times this episode, I think big it's a deal. big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also that, now I just totally lost my train of thought, guys. Um, <laughs> but that... Oh, I had a question. Why didn't, when he was electrocuted by the water at that one point, why didn't he shift back? Because I thought electric shock made them stop shifting. Maybe because he's an alpha. I don't know. I don't know. I'm the alpha now. That was my only question, but... um, Yeah, they're stronger, I guess. How do you think Derek will be affected by killing one of his own packs? I think he's going to be stronger. Sad, but stronger. <laughs> I mean, this is this is really traumatic. Obviously, it's going to affect his character. Yeah, it's a nice little callback to what Deucalion was saying in, I believe it was 304, when he's talking about uh, absorbing the power of a beta, mm-hmm. of one of his betas. And so a, a very dramatic callback to that scene, because that's what essentially uh, Derek is doing, is absorbing Boyd's power, and his eyes surge a brighter red, as you see. Yeah. So Hopefully it's, it's not like a drug and it's addicting. It seems that way. I mean, he's sort yeah. of like, he's sort of in that, he's, he's surprised very, by it. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, it's actually very Highlander, isn't it? When you cut yes. the yes. and you suck in the power. and uh, yeah. They get that from you? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, I think it's a universal concept. 
Yeah. You're just sucking that karma. Yeah. And and Mrs. Blake got to there see go. Derek turn. Is that what you were going to say? I was going to say just the fact that we see Mrs. Blake definitely have a weakening effect on Derek. And but she can heal him. <laughs> But she weakens him. But yeah. she can heal him. But he. But she weakens him. That's how love is. Um, before we go into <laughs> universal, con- <laughs> universal concept, right? Careful, girls. Uh, before we go into the interview with Russell, I just want to say that you guys can. You're doing an awesome job of supporting AfterBuzz and commenting on the videos and downloading our on iTunes. You can call into the show. Don't forget at four two four two five six seventeen twenty nine. We have the fan line open. Uh, you can join our live chat at AfterBuzz. TV. I just want to read a few names and comments. Um, we had Antonio Wilson say, can you please mention this in next episode if you can say hi to the cast and every single one of them are just so wonderful and that they really deserve to be on the show. You're awesome for their awesome acting. Please mention this. I really want them to know my name is Antonio Wilson from Georgia. Thank you, Antonio. We read your Wilson comments. Yep. They all know. They know. They want to thank you, Russell. <laughs> no, yeah, they, they, they would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And Derek Johnson says he absolutely loves the episode. He loves the different horror elements, and he loved that they get to see the more human side of Ethan with the Danny interactions, and that he's basically willing to turn Danny into a werewolf if it, if it can help him, mm-hmm. and that he believes they'll fall in love. And we had so many other great comments. We have Joseph. We have BX Girls. We have um, Hecklin Lover, Josh Channing, <laughs> username <laughs> maybe. Her favorite is. <laughs> I'm not, not quite sure. Yeah. Haley Colbert, Brianne, um, Hayward, Wolfswind, uh, Buru Raven, Loon Nady, Derek Johnson. Thank you guys all so much for your comments and continue to leave us feedback. If we can make the show better for you, let us know how. All right, guys, I'd like to get into the exclusive interview with Russell. Uh, we're so excited for you to be here. And I normally ask everybody at the beginning of the interview what aspects from their childhood do they think have sort of contributed to, you know, them wanting to be in the career choice that they made. So what do you think from your childhood, just maybe a specific story or something kind of led you into wanting to direct? Um. It was, it was it was it was a couple of things I guess I, I mean I in, in Australia growing up um, uh, horror films were banned up until about 1969 I think that's so there crazy. was a, there was a ban on horror films and also certain novels and uh, and this book came and so so when I was a young kid. Um, my mum would tell me stories. She came from England and she'd seen a lot of the films. And so, so over breakfast, she she would tell me House of Wax and Frankenstein and these films she'd seen. And I was fascinated. I'd say, "Tell me another one. Tell me another one." And she'd tell me about the you know, the toe wiggly in the wax. And she was very graphic the way she told them. <laughs> and uh, and the mummy and all that. And, uh, so I grew up with these sort of just these images in my own head and had never seen the films. And um, then the ban was le- lifted, and um, there's a flood of all the films, and I was still them all. But it wasn't until I went to the drive-in cinema and saw a film called uh, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, and uh, it's sort of a hokey. No, no, ho- I why, love no. Sinbad. Hang on, I should not say that word. I My God, it. Ray Harryhausen. <laughs> um, um, 
And but as soon as I saw the cyclops come around the cliff, and I was like nine years old or eight years old or something, and uh, I went, I want to be able to do that. And uh, it was from there, you know. I bought a Nemo camera. I was like twelve and started making little films. Do you remember the plot of one of the first films that you made? Yes, it was called Vampire Island. <laughs> it starred three people, but one of us had to operate the camera. So there's only ever two people in shot. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like two guys were on the beach, and then the, I'd go, and then I'd crop the beach, and um, we had fabulous cardboard teeth, and yeah. But it, it wasn't Oscar quite finished because one guy the... jumped off a rock and broke his foot, and the film. You should have filmed the that film part. was wrapped. Reality. <laughs> <laughs> it was incomplete. It was a bit like yeah, you didn't that, have a stunt team. Terry, Terry, Terry Gilliam film, you know. Johnny like Depp, but yeah, it was like yeah, so, complete disaster, financial disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about your earlier work, uh, as a writer, I sometimes feel like I should go back to some of my earlier work because maybe that was a good idea. Do you feel like, as a director now, um, do you ever like reflect on ideas you had when you were a kid or your younger work and, and try to recreate that and, and come up with projects to incorporate those ideas? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, during the high ages, I think between um, actually, I think it was between doing the pilot until it was picked up. I actually wrote um, a film called Bait. 3D about sharks in a supermarket. There's <laughs> a tsunami and sharks. Are, I know there's what is it called? Uh, shark to puss or no shark to uh, shark NATO? Shark NATO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, baits a little better than that. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway. So I wrote this thing and I produced it and they filmed it in Australia. It's in 3D and you can get it on DVD, Blu-ray, 3D. And um, so we did that. So it was good to 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 write something. It got got that out of my system and uh, uh, I didn't get to direct it because I had Team Wolf got picked up and I went mm-hmm. oh no I'm sorry I have, I, want, <laughs> I, want, I just gotta go back and do my bet you know yeah no that's great that. um, so I know you've been there from season one so how has your directing process changed over the journey from season one of Teen Wolf to season three um, every day is different you know, um, it's, it, every day is an adventure because every story is so different. Um, Jeff comes up with these just wonderful, crazy ideas. Um, and so it really is, there's never a dull moment. Uh, it's just, uh, you get there, I have my two quad cappuccinos and, uh, and, then, <laughs> and you know, we just go for the 16 hours, bang. and we're, What's one of your best memories on set? Of Teen Wolf, or in general? I, I, no, I think I think it was. Uh, I, there's a photograph of uh, of uh, Jeff and I standing outside on, on the pilot on day one, and we're about to shoot our first scene, and the makeup trailer behind us is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and we one. went, oh, "This is a good omen." <laughs> and then on the same pilot, we're down in the gully in the forest shooting the scene, um, and there was a flash flood. And I said, no, 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 keep filming. And the rain's pouring down. The river is rising. And, but it was pitch black and da, da, da. And, and eventually the producer had to grab me and pull me out of there. And there's people 
trying up this mountain and people getting run over by ATVs and, and, and we lost, lost the, not lives, but we lost a lot of lights and, uh. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a, it was an escape from a, a flooded valley. It was quite extraordinary. So you are and drawn so, so to many then, natural So disasters. then the actual scene of the girl when, you know, when he's got the, um, in the pilot in the first, when he's got the, um, the iPhone out and he's looking for the body mm-hmm. or he's looking for his inhaler and he finds the, Half corpse, mm-hmm. yeah. That body was actually shot in the catering tent um, because it was raining so heavy oh, outside. Oh, wow. So Jeff and I got a shovel and dug a, dug a hole in the ground and we got the girl, da-da-da, come and put the prosthetics on it and we shot her, moved the, ca- you know, the dinner tables aside, <laughs> shot that while it was pissing down with rain, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That's awesome. Make it work. Onset. You just you just got to make it work. You got to go with the flow, and sometimes you make it work with uh, smoke and mirrors. You know, and uh, (laughs) you know, you just. uh, But the the most important thing is to tell the story, tell the story um, well. um, They're great scripts, and uh, you know, my responsibility as a director is is to. Tell it as efficiently and as entertainingly and as visually interesting as possible, mm-hmm. and and as have much fun doing it, and, and 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 create that sense on set too, because we have a lot of creative people uh, on the set and in post production, and uh, I mean this guy did an extraordinary job in those in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean I didn't even know you'd cut them. Oh yeah, no. Uh, I- until I, and I saw them and I went, uh, wow, you did a great job, and he said. I didn't cut them. Corey cut them. Oh, that was nice. Man! You got a job. Russell, you've worked with so many artists as well. What's like your favorite music video that you ever made? You've made so many. Um, my God. Um, I, 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 like, um, I like the Wild Boys only because, only because it's attached to... A novel that I really want to film, The Wild Boys by William mm-hmm. Burroughs. Um, and I had the rights to that novel for a while, and then Duran came and asked me to do the song, if they could write a song called The Wild Boys, and I said, yes, as long as I can incorporate some images that I want to do in the movie. And so we did the video. So I quite uh, quite attached to that. But then just being good friends with Elton, I liked most of the Elton stuff I did, like I'm Still Sandy, and that's why I called The Blues. Um, yeah, Billy Joel, Allentown, yeah, uh, whatever. That's awesome. Um, you know, what's a, like a one of your goals or another project that like you want to do in the future? I know you said you wanted to film that that the Wild book. Boys, yeah. yeah, is there something else that you kind of look as a future goal that you want to accomplish? We're we're working we're working on a on a uh, on a thriller horror film, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, so hopefully, you know, like next year we'll we'll do that in one of the hiatuses. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, thrillers, suspense, horrors is a great genre that I love and adore. So yeah, yeah we all do. Mm. <laughs> Russell, thank you so much for pleasure. being here thank tonight much, and all your contributions to the show. Uh, we just all love this show, and it's thanks to you and the other great cast and crew members. Well, put your seatbelts so on great. because it's uh, <laughs> you're, you're, in for, you're in for quite a ride for the yeah. next uh, what five episodes. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, let's oh, yeah. talk about the next five episodes. Sarah, <laughs> what predictions do you have? We can go ahead and roll into predictions. I mean, I think I've kind of hinted at my predictions Ooh. already. Do we need spooky music now? Oh, we we do. Predictions. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. You've got to go. Yeah. yeah um, something else, right? I definitely think that Deaton's going to have to come clean mm-hmm. about what he knows a little bit. I also think that we're going to get more information about the lunar eclipse, or that's eventually... Um, when that happens, I think that's going to be a really big episode or a big factor. And I really think that the tree that Lydia drew is going to come into play somewhere down the line. So I think those are very good predictions. Um, I think next week we get to see that Derek was changed by a girl and we get to see his past. And I feel like he's being changed by Jennifer Blake now. So maybe there's some parallels there that we'll get to see. And um, Scott goes to Gerard, it looks like, for the truth and maybe some advice about the story about Deucalion, what's going on. And he says that Deucalion can't be beaten. But I also don't think that he knows that Scott's the one true alpha. So that that will help, I think. And I, my last prediction, I think Scott's mom and Styles' dad. I think there's some romance there. Uh, and I think really? she's going to help Stalinsky's... Become uh, real cope. brothers? I know. No. <laughs> real brothers, yes. No, I think that she's going to help uh, him cope with the truth about the werewolves in the town. So maybe some romance will stir out of that. That would be interesting. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder. You can find me at Cinematic Escape on Twitter, or you can Bing my blog, Cinematic Escape. Sarah, where can we find you? You can find me here um, next Sunday for True Blood. And Corey, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is Corey Trench, and also my band's Twitter is Articles underscore Music and Articles Rock and Roll on Facebook. And Russell, where can I'm we find hi- your I'm band? Can we find your Twitter? I, just, I follow just you today. him and he'll, he'll, I'll, I'll read he'll, he'll, he'll write me a note. Yeah. Okay, tweet Corey. <laughs> and uh, Russell, he'll yeah. get your tweets to Russell, who I do believe I is on answer. Twitter. Yep. Yeah, he will. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for this week. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. <laughs> Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 